Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 72 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Morning, Jacob. It's nice to see you today. It's always nice to see you, Michelle. How are you doing today? I mean, I'm good. I obviously live in, like, one of the coolest cities since, like, John Krasinski's here filming a movie. Guillermo del Toro's picking up a spaghetti parm at Chef's for some reason. Yeah, we are what a is hot going on? Sp- <laughs> We're a hot spot, apparently. I am not sure what's happening, but I like the idea that we have a mystery... Uh, Del Toro thing going on. I know, on. like, I want to know what is, um, like, up. What's he here for? It'd be cool if it was related to The Quiet Place. I got to imagine that it's got to be something like that, unless they're, like, doing Hellboy 3 or something in the background. But. Or maybe he just really likes sugary sauce, so well, he went to Chef's. There's mean. better options for sugary sauce than Chef's, you know, not to bag on Chef's, but, you know. Oh, I like their sauce. I just, Buffalo sauce has a weird, why is it so sweet? Is that supposed to be that way? Well, I mean, not ideally, but, you know, this is Buffalo. It's what we do. Oh, I Gotta don't know. Gotta throw sugar, fat, or hot sauce in everything. So mm-hmm. prob- and I'm very happy because of it. Um, okay, no more happiness. Wipe that smile off your face. What? Relax your face. Uh-huh. Actually, like- bring your smile, bring your lips down a little. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> because we need to talk about the just stunning and shattering in equal measure that was... Chernobyl. Oh boy! Yes, we. I finished that. Finished that series this week, actually. I. Real quick. What a show! So I think we're gonna. We should take some time to talk about it. Okay. Um, amazing. So it. I feel like it arrived with none of the fanfare that so many HBO TV shows and miniseries kind of come with, where you just hear about them forever. But it just, like, appeared and turned into a television event, like, overnight. Yeah, it, it seems like they just kind of busted out the trailer, like, after a big little eyes preview of Game of Thrones. They're like, hey, by the way, Chernobyl's coming out. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm into it. And they did it, and, like, it's so successful, and it's not on the strength of, like, the celebrity cast or high-profile showrunners no. or anything like that. But I think, quite simply, that it might be the greatest TV drama from like the last decade. It is quite spectacular. I mean, like you said with the cast, like the biggest name in here is the Skarsgård. So that's yeah. kind of tell you it's not bad, but it's not going to blow your socks off or anything. But everybody, it's just an excellent show all around. Like all I don't even know around. where they got the idea to even start shooting it. Like they're just like, hey, let, you want to do a thing on Chernobyl? Sure. Yeah, let's let's tell this story. Um, so of course, the the nuclear meltdown at Chernobyl is obviously a matter of historical record right it happened it happened so this is going to go without saying that our discussion today on the pod will contain spoilers regarding the show's plot but you mean people with spoilers for a 30 year old actual (laughs) event people but you know more than 30 right yeah 32 oh yeah i see i get so confused once we hit the 2000s i can't understand years anymore so so depressing when you start doing that math you're like oh no so a quick little synopsis of chernobyl in case you haven't watched the show and you're debating it of what actually happened. So this is about when the reactor's emergency safety systems had been turned off. So, like I said, little synopsis, the Chernobyl nuclear power reactor, which is in present-day Ukraine, consisted of four 1,000-megawatt reactors plus two additional reactors that were under construction. Okay? Are you with That's me a here? a lot of power right there. And on the night of April 25th and, like, the morning of the 26th in 1986, Soviet 
technicians initiated this turbine test on the Unit 4 just prior to a routine shutdown for maintenance. And in order to perform the test, they unwisely disabled the emergency core cooling system, which that's fine. It's, it's only a key safety. Yeah, rather, in, rather inexplicable when you say it out loud. I mean, especially after you watch the show. But a chain of operating mistakes ensued, and then it resulted in a buildup of steam that caused the reactor to overheat. And at 1.23 a.m., two to three rapid fire explosions blew the steel and concrete lid right off of the reactor and sent a fireball shooting into the sky, and the initial release of radioactive material was just compounded by several fires that broke out, including one inside the reactor's core, which raged on for 10 days. Which, as you can imagine, a fire in a nuclear core, it's not a good thing. I mean... It's just about the worst scenario you can have. It's horrifying just thinking about it. So, all told, the accident at Chernobyl released at least 100 times more radiation then the atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, not a not a good scenario right there. It's uh No. Yeah. And that is what the show's covering, so let's run a clip from them. I'm pleased to report that the situation in Chernobyl is stable. In terms of radiation, I'm told it's the equivalent of a chest x-ray. No. Chernobyl is on fire. And every atom of uranium is like a bullet penetrating everything in its path. Metal, concrete, flesh. Now Chernobyl holds over three trillion of these bullets. Some of them will not stop firing for 50,000 years. Tell me how to put it out. You are dealing with something that has never occurred on this planet before. Mm-mm. Yeah, so a whole lot of happiness going That's on there. That's so in that scary. Clip. I mean, so in the like you said, the thirty years since Chernobyl's really become lodged in like I'd say the collective nightmare of the world. Yeah, like something you learn about, and then you're just like nuclear energy bad for like a long time because of what the consequences could be. I mean, it's kind of the shorthand for just like a spectrum of different horrors. You know, there's radiation poisoning. The whole idea of like a dangerous technology sort of slipping its leash is just scary in its own sense. Um, And mostly like what can happen when a dishonest and careless state endangers its citizens and the entire world. Yeah, which, you know, we'll find out about in our near future, I'm sure. But I'm looking at it and I'm happy that HBO put this show out because... I feel like in the genre and video game community, which I'm a part of, that people are starting to, they kind of took the edge off Chernobyl a little bit. In video games, they show it all the time. It's just like a level in like Call oh, of Duty okay. games. They're like, I we're didn't just know gonna, that. Yeah, we're just going to run around Priapot, and we're just going to have a level where you just run around and shoot people, and it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Without realizing. Yeah, there's movies like Chernobyl Diaries where there's just like, you know, mutant people living under the reactor that'll eat you, and people are just like visiting. They're like, it'll be fun. We could just go do a little tour. I hear since the show came out that tourism has increased 40% yes. at Chernobyl, which, yes. what are you people, did you I not watch like, the show? I was like, were we not watching the same thing? Yeah. Was it the melting skin that drew you in? And you, But you can only visit, you can only stand outside it for so long. It's like timed which should before be, you have to go back in. Which should, first of all, if I have to <laughs> only can stand somewhere for a certain amount of time, you know what? I'm not going. That's a sign. Not, I'm not going to check it out. Um, okay, so the show itself, it was written by Craig Mazin and directed by... Johan Renk. 
who basically did nothing before this. He's no, like and three episodes of Breaking Bad. He's like a hero now. He's amazing. He's gonna, well, he's going to win a lot of awards. I mean, I would imagine so. The The show was incredible. It was so brilliantly structured, you know, and just impeccable performances oh, I mean, by everybody these actors. Was, everybody was killing it. So we have Jared Harris, which... I love Jared Harris. I now. love him, too. And you might think you don't know who he is, but if you look him up, you're going to be like, oh, I've seen you. He is a character actor that pops up in things all the time. He was uh, he was on The Expanse, which I loved him on. He was uh, the star of The Terror, which I, I remember loved he was last on, he was year. He was on Fringe. Oh, he was, I didn't know he was on Fringe. Like, this guy's great. He, like, he's in stuff all the time. So his character, I'm not going to say everybody's last name because 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 Russia basically be patient with me but he plays Valeri okay then we have Stellan Skarsgård Mm -hmm. best performance ever that he's ever done yeah and Skarsgård can put up some good ones I mean I loved him so much he plays Boris and then we have Emily Watson who's Dr. Ulana um, which they kind of explain at the end is that she is not like an actual person but she was just representing like 20 different scientists that were working on this so that they didn't have to, you know, have this huge I did cast ap- of people. I did appreciate in the postscript that they pointed that out. They're like, she's an amalgamation, people. Don't look for the actual person. And you're person. like, oh, okay. And that, and that makes sense. Yeah. That you're like, oh, you couldn't have all these other characters. So, I mean, other highlights of this show, production design. Yeah, it looked great. Oh, my gosh. Everything like, looked awesome in It looked great. There's like these dark, foreboding, super creepy shots. It could just be like wind through the tree and you're like, I'm watching like a horror film. Oh, and the subtle driving soundtrack behind it. Like they just have like that music. That the soundtrack was absolutely wonderful. It was extremely faithful to historical fact, um, but it was still really strikingly cinematic. Yeah, surprisingly, yes, because this is like a... A story. First of all, people aren't going to understand because it's a lot of science talk. They spend a lot of time explaining what's going on, especially in the finale. But they do a good job of having regular people be like, you need to dumb this down for me. So that by the end, I think the final episode, you're like, oh, I like the way they're explaining this. I have like a, a basic understanding of what went wrong. I appreciated the heck out of that final episode when he's like explaining step by step You're here's like, what went down. Absolutely. Like, oh, okay. And you're like, oh, that makes sense to me. But it also, so the whole show is just really aided by excellent cinematography and editing. Um, each hour of this show is more impressive than the hour before it. And that's hard to do because it starts it's out. so hard to do. I mean, it starts out in the middle, like immediately following the explosion. Like that's how the show kicks off. And it yeah. keeps up that intensity throughout the entire show with increasingly and different horrific stuff happening in every episode. And it really, it really is. Like I'm not even sure where to begin that Bridge of death. Bridge of like death. these people with their children like out being like, oh, let's watch this fire because that's really interesting. The power plant's on fire. It's kind of emitting this crazy color. And like every single one of those people, you know, like I, dies. It was horrifying to watch because you're just like, they, they don't know. Like, I, I guess they just didn't know about what nuclear power did in the 80s somehow. But I like mean, nowadays but, you're looking at it like, oh, God, you, you guys are done for. I mean, but even these scientists, when the core exploded, were like, no, it didn't. I mean, that doesn't happen. And they're like, yeah, like it did. Like, yeah, I like, understand no, that it's really not supposed didn't. to happen. Like that worst, Diavlov. That dude. Oh, oh my, God. my God. You want to hate a character who's a person. <laughs> like that is the guy who. Like you want to talk about going like ultimate stereotypical Russian. This dude was just all kinds of just like, I don't care. Do yeah. it. You moron. I mean, because as you're watching it, you realize that the largest release of this nuclear fallout in the history of humanity is 
was made possible by the lies perpetuated by the highest levels of government. Right. Like, oh, and it was just like abetted by like a media that willfully engaged in propaganda and just the dissemination of false information. So it happened because the scientific research was dismissed or suppressed because it didn't fit into the agenda of the authorities. Yeah, made them look bad, so we can't talk about it. (sighs) Sounds, you know, chillingly familiar at this point in time, let me tell you. I mean, it's just, there is a a lot to take in. Plus, again, just the horrific effects of, you know, like these firemen who went in being like, oh, we're trying to put a fire out, and then... Ooh, episode you three. Know, a week was later, our br- dad was brutal. When they yeah. start showing like the, what physically happens to you, it's like, oh no! I, oh, I as you handle raw graphite with your bare hands, yeah. like, oh okay. Yeah, that doesn't. Does that seem like a good idea? And I mean that scene where um, the guy's like, oh, it was graphite, and they're like, no, it wasn't. Yeah, can't like, be. Yeah, it is. Can't like, no, nah, not that. You're like, but it is. Or like, just like all these people being like, the core exploded. Mm, they didn't. See, I, I kind of like looked at those scenes where it's like people are looking at like if it can't possibly because if that happened, we are we are so screwed. And right that was now. it. And the very much of like, no, the Soviet Union does not have accidents like that. That's not something that happened. So politicians like constructing these giant lies to keep the population at world in the dark is like I feel they do. They show that as equally as terrifying as the accident itself. So the series really rams that point home, and I think we're all the better for it to yeah. kind of see the, the whole picture. So happy HBO decided to do this one. And oh, I got a so feel good. it's going to kick up people looking into it, re- getting books about it, which we have here available at the library. Everybody. Oh, yeah, there's a couple There's a couple that I want to talk about um, as we get towards the end of the show. But all in all, it just... Just an absolutely fantastic show. Um, I know it's uh, unfortunate if you don't have access to HBO, so hopefully they'll release it soon yeah. enough, you know, as soon as the library can purchase it. Oh, we'll we have it will. on the shelves. We and, will. You know, I hope you didn't get rid of that thing after Game of Thrones too quickly. <laughs> yeah, still, was... still watch it, people. There's still stuff to watch. You must HBO. have seen the trailer during the show and been like, ooh, this looks good. Yeah. So, um, Silicon Valley's coming Let's too. talk about the people who did not like Chernobyl. AKA Russia. Yeah. Russia did not like HBO's portrayal of Chernobyl so much so that unsurprisingly Putin is having them make their own Chernobyl of show. Course. So And it's entirely the US's fault. Well, yeah, so the Russian networks that are making this Chernobyl will it will be a fictional story. But well, yeah, because they're going to try to say it wasn't their fault. Yeah, so. it's based on a conspiracy theory that claims that, right. of course, the CIA sent an agent to the Chernobyl zone of to course. carry out the acts of sabotage. Oh, of course they did, because that's a thing that they cared about doing back then. Yeah, so there's been a lot of write-ups about this show um, in Russian papers just saying that the whole show was a caricature and not the truth, um, and that you know it was just so, like, the way American typically shows Russia, that the one like country's main news channel said the only thing missing from this show uh, were the bears and the accordions. Right. To really like mock 
Russia. I mean, I mean, like, unless, of course, you count the historical record and scientists going on fact and, you know, dead scientists dying um, memoirs. If you discount all of that stuff, yeah. then, I mean, yeah, sure. People really giving their life. I will say, though, that, you know, you're, you're kind of horrified by watching it being like, what is this mentality of this Soviet that people are like, this couldn't happen and... They're giving out propaganda numbers and they just won't tell the truth because it's too embarrassing. But on the other side of that coin are people who are very, very willing to step up knowing that it will cost them their life to help their country. And I think that is also very uniquely Soviet because they're like, this is the motherland and like that is what we do. So you have your good and your bad. No one's system is perfect, but... I don't know that if it had happened elsewhere, if there are so many people that were willing to mine naked, like yeah. those miners. Yeah, just so, kind of walking around, flopping about yeah, in the dark. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have been about doing that myself. I mean, there were many horrifying things, and the way it was filmed just done so well. The most, the scariest part of that whole show, those men on the roof who could only be outside for 90 seconds. That was a tense scene right there. Oh, the scene was so tense. Like, you felt his just absolute confusion and fear. And, all right, I don't, I, we're going to go on forever. We could yeah, because we could. it's we're really good. such a good show. We haven't even gotten into, like— It's going to be the Chernobyl cast. I mean, better some perfect scenes that I'd like to talk about, but we should probably get into a couple. Yeah, some other suggestions, some other happy other stuff. Yeah, that's it. So we have like a couple movies. We won't be able to get through too many on a couple books that you should check out if you liked Chernobyl or if you like the idea of it but don't have access to it yet. So I think the most obvious one for me would be um, 1979's The China Syndrome. That makes sense. Absolutely. So we have news reporter who's played by Jane Fonda and her cameraman played by a super young and studly Michael Douglas. And they are unintentional witnesses to this SCRAM incident, which is an emergency core shutdown procedure at a nuclear power plant in California. Thanks to Chernobyl, I know what a SCRAM is. There you go. And so the crew ends up preventing a catastrophe, but the plant supervisor, who's played by Jack Lemmon, who I love so much. Jack Lemmon or Jack Lennon? Jack Lemmon. Okay. That's his name. I'm always confused by his last Oh, yeah, name. Jack Lemmon. Throws me off. Okay, but he begins to suspect that the plant is in violation of safety standards and tries desperately to bring it to the attention of the public, fearing that another scram incident will produce an atomic disaster. So I feel like when this movie came out, that was right around the time of Three Mile Island. Yes. So I it was it like, everybody's like, um, yeah, this is horrifying like maybe nuclear power not so great or you know i mean there's just things can go wrong and it's really scary i mean something it wasn't too long ago was it japan that they had an incident because of like an earthquake in uh fukushima yeah that's uh it's still totally irradiated as i understand it's actually like a mini chernobyl situation where they really kind of can't go back there it's pretty much a wrap on another whole lot of japan is nuclearized right now it's not good for that part of the world at all that's great that's great. We're bringing we're bringing it up here today. Yeah. It's really scary. Um, do you have any more? Let's do like a few disaster films. <clears throat> well, I got another nuclear one actually. Oh, okay. I got 1983's The Day After. Have you ever seen this one? I haven't. Okay, so it is an H. It was an ABC uh, TV movie, so it aired on the air. It surprisingly, considering this movie is brutal. Oh no. So basically, The Day After involves. Um, 
It's got like an all-star cast of the time. They spend a whole 45 minutes like introducing 20 or so characters. Okay. And then once a nuclear war breaks out between the United States and Russia. Remember, this is during the Cold War. So it all involves like West and East Germany and armies attacking. This is all told like in the background. And basically, you know, they have a little war starts up in Europe between East and West Germany. The U- NATO and Russia get involved in a ground war. Okay. Russia starts winning. So in order to stop Russia from advancing, the um, NATO drops some tac- nukes on them. Tactical nukes mean that Russia retaliates and blows up uh, Ger- one city in Germany where NATO headquarters is. It's no U.S. Good. retaliates. Full <laughs> nuclear war bust out. And we get to watch Steve Gutenberg and John Lithgow deal with it in Kansas. Where John they, Lithgow and Steve Gutenberg? They are the stars of this movie. Jason Robards, too. That feels so random to me. Oh, it's it was of the time. This is prime police wow, academy. Wow, okay. Um, so basically, it deals with these people living in uh, Kansas City and Lawrence, um, Kansas. Because uh, that's where the U.S. nuclear silos are, in case you did not know. That's where our bombs are, are hidden okay. underneath there. And it's basically, they just going about when all of a sudden... The nuclear bo- alarm goes off, and a bunch of bombs just kind of drop all around. Okay. So then this show deal, this movie deals with the fallout. It basically goes through the bombs drop. So then half of the cast that they spent all this time introducing goes up literally in a flash. Like they show them just getting exploded, oh. and they just die. So half the people they that you know they're all dead now, which would be reality. Then you have to deal with the fallout, which is being moved by the wind, which we deal with Chernobyl. Okay, don't tell me too much. <laughs> then you got to deal. I'm gonna with watch it. I'm gonna know everything that happens. How do I know it's not a happy ending? You're gonna spoil it. It, it is not a happy ending. <laughs> so then it gets into like. Oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> what happens when it gets into the food supply? What happens to the oh, people yeah. that are still dealing with it in the air that don't have any protection? Yeah. What happens a couple months down the road when now the um, help starts dying because they've been exposed to radiation? What happens to farmers? All right, man. Oh my goodness. Then the citizens restart. It's. I can't believe this wasn't on ABC in the 80s because it is brutal like <laughs> we had thicker skin then <laughs> this is see if they made this today it would be an hbo or a netflix movie 100 percent of the okay. way and it's actually quite graphic like when they show like the burns and people's injuries Yikes. it is a surprisingly good show i did not expect to like it because i just kind of heard about it one day picked it up here at the library and watched it i was like wow this is I can't believe the stuff they used to make on tv like they need to get back to this okay um but if you're looking for another kind of nuclear show and you haven't gotten enough depression, you know, check <laughs> check out the day after. It's a pretty good one. It's very helpful. Okay, the next one I have I think is a little lesser known. It's called Miracle Mile from 1988. Never heard of it. Um, the trailer looks terrible. Okay. So don't even watch it. But the film is actually pretty good. Um, definitely underrated. Just kind of like slid by. Probably because it's starring Anthony Edwards. Okay, um, that's which, probably why it slid by. Nobody paid attention. Exactly, didn't have a huge draw. But he is playing this musician who sits down at an L.A. diner, and then he instantly takes an interest in this waitress, um, and then they arrange a date for later that day. But as he's heading to that, things kind of go awry because he ends up stopping somewhere, and there's a random payphone ringing. Mm-hmm. So he picks it up, and there is a frantic soldier on the line who warns of a nuclear attack that will hit L.A. within the hour. Oh, awesome phone call to get. Totally. So, like, he's like, wait, is that real? Why'd you call is a payphone? Not. So, scrambling, he finds this woman, and the two are kind of doing everything they can to escape to safety, and the city around them is just, like, spinning into utter chaos. And it also has, like, a bit of their love story, you know, love mixed in with nuclear okay. disaster. Um, 
But it's really fantastic the way that the director kind of follows how this one phone call can spiral into a total citywide madness. And it's actually really, really gripping. Um, Is it a drama or a comedy or? No, it's it's a drama. Oh, okay. I mean, it has like goofy moments. Um, you know, it, it definitely, there's like some humor and playfulness within it. Um, but, you know kind of the, uh, the kind underlying of feel is kind of so. like this horror of what's going to happen. It is definitely one of the great underrated films of the 1980s. Okay. I have to check it out. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It seemed like they were really obsessed with the uh, nuclear stuff in the 80s. Understandably so, mind you. Exactly. Yeah. Like things things were happening. So they were like, what? what's that now? So, okay. You know what? That reminds me. This um, There's this old movie that I saw years ago. Uh, um, Silkwood. Did you ever uh, see oh, that one? Totally. I haven't seen it in a long time, but that's yeah. absolutely appropriate. I barely i kind of remember it because i remember i saw it and i thought it was pretty good well it's young meryl that's like that's you know true. meryl was making her first impressions on the world with the first of her fifty thousand academy <laughs> award nominations i'm <laughs> yeah. sure so uh meryl street plays karen silkwood the yeah. uh titular star of course who you real know, she person wo- yeah real star. she works at a nuclear facility with her boyfriend drew stevens uh kurt russell who mm-hmm. uh, you know there's I love some kurt young russell. shirtless kurt russell in that movie i mean that, i mean that's <laughs> enough reason to watch it right there <laughs> that's true and they have the roommate Cher, who you know just pops up and stuff for no apparent reason. <laughs> she's good. Stop it. I'm sure she is, if you say so. So when Karen becomes concerned about safety practices at this nuclear plant that she works at, uh, she begins raising awareness of violations because you know you work in a nuclear plant. You know why wouldn't you have violations? I mean, who cares about safety stuff? Place like that that put the workers at risk. Um, she basically goes on an investigation, and you know she has developments. She starts by her investigation. She starts noticing weird stuff. Like, uh, she seems like she's been herself, like, exposed to high levels of radiation. Yeah, they start, like, testing her. Yeah, and... Like, they planted it on her or something? I don't even know. And then it's, like, this is where the term the Silkwood Shower came from. Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, yeah, where they, like, scrub you off when you're exposed. Right, so, you know, no thanks on that one. You're getting the rough brushes in. And, you know, no spoiler, again... This is a movie that, A, the movie took place a long time ago. B, it's it's based on a real event. But, I mean, there was always, if you read about Karen Silkwood, there's such mystery involved because the way that she died, they think that she was actually killed by the plant. Like a suspicious car accident where she had a bunch of papers with her, and when her body was found, she had no papers. Of course not. So... You know, not to be like conspiracy sort of thing, but it is possible. I I just don't get why do you have a safety violations at a nuclear plant? It seems like it's something real easy to do. Yeah. I mean, they're not even the safety violations aren't going to come into effect at a nuclear plant. So, you know, it seems like they're a little too loosey goosey with having those in a lot of these movies in real life. So. So there it is. So so many nuclear movies <laughs> for your horrors. That's what we bring you. Yeah. We're happy about it. Um, okay, so a couple books before we wrap up here, um, both about Chernobyl. There is a new one that was just released. I don't even, I'm not even sure if it's in the library yet. It might have it just, will be. just gotten be here. here. It's called Midnight in Chernobyl. It's by journalist Adam Higginbotham. And this is just his like years in the making account of the Chernobyl uh, disaster, and then his investigation into like the propaganda, the secrecy, and the myth that kind of obscured the truth. So he draws on hundreds of hours of interviews conducted over the course of more than ten years that he worked on this, um, as well as he has letters and unpublished memoirs and documents from recently declassified archives, and he's just written this just harrowing and 
compelling narrative, which really brings the disaster to life through the eyes of the men and women who really witnessed it firsthand. So everything that I have read about it is that it is just a masterful nonfiction thriller um, and that it's, you know, it's really complex, but it's really human and also terrifying. Yeah, if you want to get a little bit, sprinkle a little uh, depression dust in written form on top of your visual effect. I mean, I feel like I have to read it because, like, really reviews have been just off the charts for it. I can't decide if it'll just be too much Chernobyl for me at that point after watching the show. Um, but I will consider it. And then there, there is a book that's been around for quite a while that I'm actually won uh, the Nobel Prize in Literature, which okay. is called Voices from Chernobyl, The Oral History of a Nuclear Disaster by Svetlana Alekevich. Nailed it. And so she's a journalist by trade who now actually, she suffers from an immune deficiency developed while researching the book mm. because she was there, mm. you know. So she's presenting personal accounts of what happened again to the people of Belarus after the nuclear reactor accident and then just the fear and anger and uncertainty that some of these people are still living with, you know, people that could never go home. So she's also interviewed hundreds of people, um, you know, some firefighters that are still around that she was able to interview. And then, yeah, we just have all of their stories. It's a, I would say, crucially important work, um, you know, full of. Yeah, we, we need to pay attention to this stuff, people, because it's not like nuclear problems and threats are undergone in the world. They're still a big deal. A lot of countries are still using nuclear reactors. There's been sort of a renewed push in the U.S. to try to lean more in that direction because it's considered, quote unquote, cleaner oh, yeah. than fo- fossil fuels. Sure. So. Yeah, no, I mean, there's hundreds of active so, you power know, plants all over. You so. should probably pay attention, guys, and make sure, that, like, you know, maybe. Maybe put a little pressure on the guys to spend that extra million dollars on some safety stuff to make sure it maybe, doesn't explode. Maybe keep just a little package of iodine pills in yeah. your cabinet just in case. You maybe, never know. Maybe don't have a 25-year-old <laughs> as a chief engineer in your nuclear plant at any time. Perhaps. Or angry, mad Russians running stuff <laughs> for, for, Perhaps. These are, if just, only just, you, were, just if only you were there, Jacob. Just a thought. I mean, All right. You should put me in charge. Let's wrap it up. Why don't you plug us up? All right. So everything that we talked about on All Booked Up, no matter how depressing it is, is going to be available at one of our 37 branches all across Erie County. If it's not at your local one, just stop on by. We'll get it sent to you. Or you can just flag down our bookmobile, which is visiting all across the county. And we'll be able to bring it right to your doorstep, folks. So just stop on by and we'll get whatever you want. If your doorstep is on the bookmobile and your feet are there. (laughs) If you consider your body your doorstep. You said just wave it down and they'll they'll stop for you. Um, It's like the ice cream truck. So inaccurate. Everything he's saying, I hope people know. Um, Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at All Booked Up Pod, where we talk about a things. <laughs> all the st- all the things and a little bit of stuff as well. Okay, so uh, some more things about Chernobyl. What's really crazy is that in 2005, the United Nations-backed Chernobyl Forum predicted that the accident would claim up to 4,000 lives in total from Chernobyl, where Greenpeace has actually put the number closer to like 93,000. And Russia says 31. Oh, I know. <laughs> 31. 31. 31 is all the number that's died. Um, And it's really crazy. So 36 hours after the accident, when the Soviet authorities started e- evacuating some of these like 115,000 people who lived nearby, because um, people were already suffering from like vomiting and headaches just a few hours after it happened. Of course. But everyone believed that they were going to be allowed to return home like soon because no one knew the effects. So they left behind like all of their valuables, of course, their pets. Um, 
And then, however, all the land within this 18.6 mile radius of the plant was subsequently closed off. So these people have never, ever been able to return home. That was just it. You were just gone. There are a few hundred residents who have returned illegally. But for the most part, the area is completely devoid of humans. Yes, and they are notoriously for having three arms and 12 legs or something. There's all kinds of mutations going on with these people. That's terrible. Don't you make light of it. They are gaining some mutant powers. You might want to stay away, folks. It is not a good spot. I need a new co-host. Okay, so a couple (laughs) happy notes to end the episode on, even though they're about Chernobyl, is that now Chernobyl has become kind of a boon for wildlife. Because forests have reclaimed the land that was previously given over to industry and agriculture, um, and there's no people around anymore to shoot and poison them. So there is just this huge influx of moose, red deer, wolves, there's lynx, bears, eagles, and like tons of megafauna that has been, you know, taking refuge in the exclusion zone around Chernobyl. So, like, It has just like paradoxically become a unique sanctuary for biodiversity, which is incredible thinking of how that started. Yeah, just because it all glows in the dark does not mean that it's not impressive. I mean, the radiation has been shown to cause significant and potentially deadly abnormality in some of the other animals, but not all of them. Like some of the birds have weird beaks and things like that. But otherwise, things are doing well. Finally, doing so well that according to the Clean Futures Fund, there is a nonprofit sponsoring a project to help the Chernobyl dogs, oh. which is the which we won't spoil, but is the worst scene in yeah, Chernobyl. That, that probably is um, the worst So 3,500 workers are in the area daily because an estimated 250 dogs live at the plant and then 225 in the city of Chernobyl, and then there's hundreds that kind of roam like around further out from that. Sure. That's according to the SBCA. So SBCA International and this Clean Futures Fund have been partnering to make the dogs available for adoption in Ukraine and North America. And in 2018, more than 200 dogs were cleared for adoption. About a dozen of them went to the United States. Mm, No, thank you. Well, so they get quarantined for 45 days in Ukraine before they're shipped to the U.S. They have to be um, under a year old. And that, you know, they're the, all the dogs put up for adoption are physically healthy. They are completely washed because there's just radiation particles on them, which they completely remove. So you don't have to worry about that. The only thing you have to worry about is that they've never seen a human. Yeah. So it's a slow thing. But anyone listening, if you want yourself a little Chernobyl puppy, Send an email to adoptions at cleanfutures.org. I love it. Yeah, you can even have a conversation with them. They'll talk back to you. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) She was tough, but I hate him so much. All right, you guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.